0: and welcome to episode 40 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. This episode is all about communication and Maggie and I will be discussing how communication changes. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk
1: about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life.
0: Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your your hosts, hosts, the the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters,
1: Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. So we chose the Four of Swords this week, and the
0: theme of this card is Resting Your Mind. This card really is about doing the thing that's going to give your mind the rest it needs. It could be through prayer or meditation. It could be by sleeping until you wake up naturally without an alarm, which I did this morning. It could be about reading a book until you are lost in it without pulling yourself to check your phone or talk to a non-fictional person. It could be about sitting quietly and observing nature.
1: It could also be about apologizing to someone and making amends for a wrong that you might have done to them. Alternatively, it could be about forgiving someone and not letting that take up space in your mind anymore, regardless of if they have asked for your forgiveness or have done anything to make amends. Those are also ways to ease your mind. So, Erica, do you have a story that relates to the Four of Swords?
0: I just think about all of those like seasonal checklists or things to do in October or um, how to k- take care of yourself during the holiday season. And it's all things like so the one that I was looking at for the fall season was things like um drink hot chocolate or eat a caramel apple or sit outside and listen to the silence and it's all these things about enjoying the moment and enjoying what's happening in nature and enjoying the the season um, that we're in and taking part in all of those traditional aspects of those seasons and so that's kind of what the four of Swords is about is is seeing what is, important in that moment and letting your mind be completely absorbed in it and taking part in it I like that I wish they
1: they should do that for every season it seems like I mostly see
0: them in the fall I have one for every season oh I, it's a, I have a bingo card that I make made for myself so it's like I, I do the things in the season and then I get bingo when I've you know
1: Oh, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) We should put that in Mumbles Academy if you want to share it. Sure. So Dana and I recently built a breakfast nook in our kitchen. There's like this kind of weird space in the kitchen. And so we built a bench in there and we um, put in a table and now I sit and eat my breakfast there. And for the last couple of months since we built it, I was sitting there, I'd eat my breakfast and I'd also play this game on my iPad where you, like, make a picture out of pixels based on the clues that they give with, like, numbers. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, it makes pretty... I play those games, too. They're fun. It's, like, a nice, relaxing thing to do. Yeah. But I think it was two days ago. Maybe it was yesterday. It was today also. Anyway, I've been doing it for a couple days now. and Or um, that I didn't get my iPad out, and I was just eating my breakfast, and... Um, it was because the cats finally decided that they're no longer afraid of the breakfast nook and they'll come sit with us (laughs) there. And so I was like, I'm just going to spend time with the cats and eat my breakfast. And we were looking outside and we saw the squirrels and the birds. And you know, we have an oak tree in the front. So the squirrels will take the acorns and they'll bury them. And then they'll unbury them because they're trying to break down the outside husk so that it's, like, easier to eat it for the squirrels. But if it wasn't um, broken down enough, they would rebury it. And then the birds, the blue jays specifically, would come after and eat the ones that they reburied because the squirrels had revealed the hiding spots and the birds, with their strong beaks, could break into the acorns and eat Those sneaky birds. I know, they're so (laughs) sneaky. And I'm sure that they've been doing this for a while and I just hadn't noticed it because I was, you know, wrapped up in this game on my iPad. There's nothing wrong with, you know, playing a game on your iPad or on your phone or whatever, but um, just I was I was recognizing like, oh, there's this whole other world outside. And if I just take a rest from like thinking and like looking at this logic puzzle and look outside. There's, like, all this stuff going on, and it was really fun. Um, and Luna was doing that, like, clicky thing that cats do when they <laughs> want to attack something. <laughs> and so I just kept telling her, no, no, Luna, birds are friends. You're an indoor cat. You just look at them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was really nice, though, and it, it made me think of this four of swords, you know, resting my mind and instead just, like, being present in the moment and being relaxed and
0: rested yes, yeah, so it's yeah it's just nice to with you saying like you were doing a logic problem, prob- you were actively using your mind and just you know that four of swords reminds us that we don't have to be using our mind all the time and we can just be. Yeah exactly
1: yeah.
0: yeah. So now we'll move on to our discussion about communication we thought we'd look at a variety of ways we communicate and the different recipients of our communication as well. Um, And I just want to interject as a speech language pathologist, this is something that we actually measure for in young children is if they change the way they speak depending on the audience. Um, And like, so do they talk differently to their peers versus their parents versus other adults versus strangers? And so it's, we do, we talk differently to different recipients. So let's start with communicating with other people. So one thing that we were um, thinking was important when
1: it comes to communicating with other people is the difference between listening, really listening, and just hearing somebody. And we talked about this a little bit in the uh, Five Ways to Make the Most of Libra Season episode a couple weeks ago. Um, I think Erica mentioned that instead of just waiting until it's your turn to talk again, which is more like hearing, you're, you're just hearing that they are making sounds and you're waiting until it's your turn to make sounds, being really engaged in the conversation where you're listening to what they're saying, whether that's whether it's like an argument or a debate or something like that, or um, somebody is... Sharing a hardship that they're going through or a joy that they want to share with you. If you're listening, you're able to respond to that emotion that they're presenting you with rather than just waiting until it's your turn to say something.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about that piece of um, putting that some people don't appreciate when others put in their own stories in the middle of their story, which for some, people is a way of showing I listened to you and this is how I relate to you and so it's it's always about balancing that um that piece and and really understanding your communication partner um and and knowing what they are needing from that particular conversation event um if they're wanting somebody just to listen to them or if they're wanting to have this back and forth conversation.
1: Yeah that makes me think of that episode of Parks and Rec where Anne's pregnant and she keeps having these like complaints and all she wants is to just be like upset about these things she's going through and Chris keeps trying to fix it and he's like well here we can get you a massage here this will help with your indigestion and he just keeps trying to solve the problem but what she wants is just to vent basically Mm -hmm. and so some someone might want support and solutions Um, but in that particular instance this character didn't want that she just wanted to have an ear to listen to her and understand what Mm -hmm. she was going through so I think that's like something you might have to sometimes you have to ask like what do you want out of this conversation do you want my advice do you want my support do you want just a shoulder to cry on what is this what can I help you with here
0: yeah, one thing that um, I really appreciate about both Miles and Kim, um, they are very good at communication, which is something I've not been good at in terms of relating my own needs. So um, whenever whenever we're having a venting session or a complaint or something like that, they one or both of them will always ask, like, are you looking for solutions or just event? And it's not something that we really think about ha- asking that question. Um, and I think it's a really important one to ask. Yeah.
1: And sometimes when you go into a conversation with someone, you don't necessarily know what you need. But when someone presents that question to you, you can like, okay, I guess what I need right now is just for you to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or I guess what I need from you right now is your advice or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you need mm-hmm. in that moment. But when you're in that like feeling space of like needing something, you might not mm-hmm. really know what it is that you need. So having right. somebody around you who can like ask that question and <laughs> help you understand yep.
0: And I know that for me, sometimes if I'm not getting what I need and I am able to recognize what I need, I'll say like, I just need you to tell me that it's okay and that I'm valid and that my feelings are, are uh, real feelings. Like, I just need you to say those words to me. And then my conversation partner will be like, it's okay. You are valid. Your feelings are real. And like... So giving them that script, even, it can be enough um, to, to have that need be met.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like
0: mm-hmm.
1: also being that person for other people, mm-hmm. being the person who does ask that question. Yeah. And we also wanted to talk about the difference between empathy and sympathy. Um, Erica and I have talked about this a lot in the past, and so we just wanted to bring it up on the podcast um, which goes along with the listening versus hearing because when you're empathetic, you're right there with the person and you're um, relating to them. And so it's like what Eric was saying with the uh, bringing up an example of when you also went through something inst- and not getting upset about that. So so that using an example of a time when you also felt the same that the person you're talking to is, Um, discussing is a way of showing your empathy because you have felt the same way as them in the past and you can understand that emotion or that place that they're in where sympathy is where you're kind of looking down into the hole at the person who's in that hard place um, and not really down in the hole with them.
0: And what Maggie is referring to is a video um, by Brian Brown, where she talks about empathy and you can Google it. It's a fantastic video um, where she lays out the difference between sympathy and empathy and about in, in, instead of being on the ladder saying, um, I sympathize with you. It's being coming down off of the ladder and being with the person in that hole and saying, I empathize with you. Um, sympathy for me involves a lot of judgment and it involves understanding from your own perspective whereas empathy has no judgment and involves putting yourself into other people's shoes and understanding why they have those feelings Mm -hmm. and what is going on
1: yeah and it really does involve like very closely listening to how they are expressing themselves. And that sort of brings us to the final thing we wanted to talk about with the communicating with others, which is this idea of saying I'm sorry. I think our culture has kind of come to this point where if you say you're sorry, it's fixed and you don't have to do anything about it anymore. You fixed it. Um, And something Erica said to me recently was that she's been noticing that when people apologize to her it's like they're shutting down the conversation and they don't want to do any more talking about it it's too much confrontation and so if i say i'm sorry we don't have to talk about this anymore yeah is that right erica
0: yeah i've i've noted like sorry is just the word that's like okay okay i'm 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 sorry for what i did let's be done i don't want to do this anymore And I've really actually come to hate the word I'm sorry, the words I'm sorry, (laughs) Um, because I'm sorry. Sorry is just the start of this active process of apologizing. Um, I saw a sign a while back that had the five elements of apologizing, which um, really like spoke to me. And the first the first act is expressing your regret. So that's where you say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for Blake. But then you have to go further to um, accepting responsibility, which is to say, "I it was wrong of me to do the action. Um, then you have to make restitution. So it's asking the question or stating, what can I do to help you start trusting me again? And then a genuine promise of change, so I'm committed to doing everything I can so that you can trust me again, and then requesting forgiveness so that, will you please please forgive me? And re- also remembering that forgiveness does not have to be given. You can ask for somebody to forgive you, but they don't have to, or they might not be ready to. Even and if that- you've
1: gone through all of those stages, mm-hmm. it could take them longer, more time, Um, more actions on your part or it might never come about recently the former youth pastor at our parents church shared something on facebook that i think really illustrates this point i can't find the post right now but basically what it was was two students one had said something mean to the other student and then immediately realized that it was the wrong thing to say and apologized And the other student got up and went and got one of those plastic cups, the clear ones, and crumpled it up and said, oh, I'm sorry, cup. And the other kid was like, what? And she said, well, see, I didn't fix the cup by saying I'm sorry to it. It's not fixed. And it's because you need to do all those other steps to make the cup whole again, basically, or the person that you've wronged whole again.
0: And yeah, it's, you know, using that cup analogy um, of like that making restitution and genuinely promising change that's going through and diligently ironing out all of those little crinkles and all the little breaks. And, um, and in the cup, you know, if you, if you poke a hole in it, it's going to take a lot of work to fix that hole and that cup is not going to hold that water any longer as well as it used to. So those, when you hurt somebody and are apologizing, um, you have to remember that like those little crinkles and those little holes are still there and it, depending on how big the hole is, it might take a while before that forgiveness is given.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, before we talk about the other types of communication in this episode, we're going to take a break to talk about our herb of the week. And this episode is brought to you by Time. So, Erica is going to start, as usual, by t- talking about the medicinal properties. And then I will share the magical properties.
0: I love plants. I talk, I say about these plants like every single time, like they're the best one. Because every single time they are the best one, because um, thyme is also the best plant, and um, there's so many different varieties. There's so many different flavors and smells and things that you can get from thyme. Um, there, you know, it's got a really lovely citrusy smell to it. You can get the lemon thyme, which mosquitoes hate, by the way. So you know, plant some lemon thyme and then all over your grass and just like walk through it and the mosquitoes will never come to your house. I can't say never. I can't promise that. Sorry. Gotta use protective language. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They might come to your house, but it will definitely help keep them away. (laughs) Medicinally, thyme is full of essential and volatile oils. That's part of what makes it so... Pungent in its smell. Um, And because of this, like our friend the eucalyptus plant, it really helps with coughs as an antispasmodic and expectorant and just general cold and wellness helpfulness. It's the volatile oils that are in uh, thyme contain phenol, thymol, and carvacrol. I think I'm saying that right, which are all antiseptics. And then the latter two are both antibacterial and antifungal. Um, So they are really, really powerful immune plants. You can use an infusion of thyme to bathe infected wounds, to clean them, to promote healing. You could also put it in a bath for some aromatherapy if you're feeling particularly congested. Um, it helps to boost the mind, spirit and body and relieves exhaustion, headaches and depression, as well as upper respiratory cr- uh, complaints and um, help with skin and scalp irritations. So time is seen a lot in um, lotions and uh, shampoos. You'll also see it a lot in commercial toothpastes and mouthwash because of those wonderful essential oils and volatile oils and um, they're really good for aiding in toothache. Also very important as a culinary herb. We use thyme in nearly everything for sauces, and I know that thyme is one of the primary um, spices in like pot pies and like marinara sauces. Uh, It goes great with rosemary on breads and stuff like that, so. Great for your kitchen witchery as well. Oh, it's in Herbes de Provence. I forgot that. It's one of the major uh, spices in herbs de Provence. So it's also a major herb in the gravy used for
1: breakfast gravy, mm, mm-hmm, biscuits and gravy mm-hmm. gravy.
0: Yep, yep, yep. So
1: thyme is a passive herb. It corresponds with the planets Venus and Mars and the elements water and Earth and it is also associated with the zodiac signs, Aries, and Libra. The main uses magically are for health and healing, um, sleep and psychic powers, for love and attraction, and purification as well as courage and um, energy boosts. So you can wear time in your hair or in like a charm bag around your neck or in your pocket, and um, and that can be used for any of those magical uses I listed, but most particularly when it comes to attracting somebody to you for uh, friendship or for love, um, so loyalty and affection and creating a good opinion of yourself in the eyes of another person. And I think that's partly because it smells so good, so people are going to be attracted to you for that reason. Um, but if you smell it, it can also give you a boost in your courage and your confidence as well as your energy level. The, the Greeks often used time when they burned uh, ancient Greeks, I should say, to in their temples to purify the temple and particularly before a magical ritual and cleanse the area. So we can still use them it in that way, making adding it to your cleansing herb bundle, burning it in your home for, Uh, banishing things you don't want in your home, for purifying your home, and to attract health for yourself and the people who live there and any guests that you might have. And if you add marjoram, which we've talked about on the podcast before, with the time and make a uh, bath infusion, that's a really good way to cleanse yourself of sorrows and grief If you use time in a pillow and sleep with it under your pillow or make it into a dream pillow, it can prevent nightmares from coming into your sleep, and it can help to ensure that you have a restful sleep. It also can bring about psychic dreams and premonition dreams, and um, it can... Enhance psychic powers and your ability to listen to your intuition. And it's even thought to help you to be able to see fairies or to see evidence of fairies if you wear time or plant time in your home. It attracts fairies. Like Erika said, you can plant it around your home and it'll take away the mosquitoes and things like that, but it'll invite fairies into your yard and make your yard a magical place for them to live. The main topic, again, is communication, and the next type of communication we wanted to talk about on the podcast is how to communicate with yourself. And in a previous episode, we talked about negative self-talk and how that can impact you in the episode where we talked about perfectionism. So we're going to focus more on communicating yourself in an effort to reveal your emotions, your thought process, your motivations, and generally just getting to know yourself on a deeper level which can be done in three ways with your thoughts, monitoring your thoughts, speaking out loud to yourself and writing things down. So we'll start with thought monitoring. What is
0: thought monitoring? Thought monitoring is just what it sounds like. Being aware of your thoughts, including dreams and daydreams. We think pretty much all the time, so it's hard to be aware of every thought you have. The most important time to tune into your thoughts is when you're feeling strong emotions, whether they are pleasant emotions or painful.
1: Yes, emotions are signals to you, and um, they can be very revealing about what's going on in your situation. So for me, I have been very disconnected from my emotions in the past and over the last years, the last year, particularly since the beginning of this pandemic, um, so I guess two years, I have been much more intentional about learning what emotions feel like in my body and what they're called. So naming the emotions. You know, I knew what the names of emotions are, but I didn't necessarily understand how they felt to me. And for it started for me, my, the most obvious emotions were. The ones that felt negative or bad in my body, and so those were things like when I felt overwhelmed or angry or sad, and those were easier for me to notice because they negatively impacted me. They um, made me not be able to work effectively. They I had to take a step out of my work process in order to under like because they were there. (laughs) They weren't letting me do what I wanted to do. Um, So I learned to manage and release those emotions instead of suppressing them. Uh, Lately, though, I've been able to sense and understand the more pleasant feeling emotions like joy and love and excitement while I'm in those moments in a more mindful way. Because in the past, it's kind of been like after the fact, like, oh, that was a really good time. I was really happy when I felt happy in that moment or I felt loved in that moment. And I didn't necessarily feel it at the moment at the time. So it's been more recently like that moment that I was talking about earlier where I was able to just like watch the squirrels. And it was it felt really good. Like I almost cried because I was so happy that I was noticing that feeling in the moment.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, um, it's important to name our emotions and recognize the differences between them because, um, you know, uh, overwhelm anger and sadness can all feel very similar and you can know like i feel bad but um and confusing one with the other and so being able to recognize the difference between overwhelmed and anger and sadness um and why they're different because i do feel sad when i'm overwhelmed but there it's a different sort of sadness if that makes yeah. sense yeah
1: Definitely. It does. Like yesterday, I had a really frustrating moment where things were just like going really slow, like the Internet went down and then the our circuit trips every once in a while. So it seemed like all of these things were happening in this moment that felt really urgent for what I needed to do. It wasn't urgent, but my body was like, this is very bad. And I was able to determine that it was a feeling of overwhelm and it was sort of expressing itself as anger because I was like yelling at my computer and like stomping around the house. Um, But it was more like overwhelm because it was due to something that was overwhelming me rather than due to something that was really an angering. So that's kind of the thought monitoring aspect of it where it's like figuring out what triggered that emotion Mm-hmm. What was the thought or what was the moment that triggered it? And the emotion is the signal to help you figure out what the thought was.
0: Well, and and then at, at that level, too, once you can name this is overwhelm and not anger, you can say, OK, well, what steps do I need to take to deescalate that w- overwhelming need versus resolving an anger you know, like there's there's a difference there. You weren't angry at your computer you weren't angry at the projects you were doing you were overwhelmed by it And so how can you fix that particular emotion yeah, exactly
1: because there's there's different ways to fix those emotions so being able to name them like you said is super important.
0: I also have um, with the positive ones um, been I've been using joy. Um, as one of actually one of my uh, top values for my life is 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 feeling joy. And the reason for that is because I learned the difference between joy and happiness. And it was a big moment for me. So happiness is something that comes to you externally. It's it, you know, it's something that Um, you know, getting a gift, seeing a loved one. Those are all external things that bring you happiness. But joy is something that you bring from the inside that happens for yourself. It's one of those intrinsic motivators. And I think that there is a huge difference between those two, you know, like all those sayings, like money doesn't bring happiness. Well, it does. It does bring happiness. It doesn't bring joy, though. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, We have a scale in Mumbles Academy where you can decide where you are on the emotional value scale. And joy is like the highest if you can like rank them. Um, And happiness is a little bit lower. I think it's just above the middle because Mm -hmm. it's just not that not that one is better than the other. None of the emotions, the ranking system isn't to like say something is better than another thing. It's just the way that it feels It it makes you feel more pleasant, much more pleasant to feel joy than to feel happiness Mm -hmm. versus like anger, which is pretty low on the emotional scale because it feels very, very bad in your body. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. Mm -hmm. All of them have a, you know, a a purpose to feel them, all these emotions.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we talked about thought monitoring and then you mentioned speaking out loud. What is speaking out loud? That's also pretty obvious. It sounds—it's just what
1: it sounds like. It's when you say something that you are noticing, like you're in your car and you're like, "Oh, that driver is driving like a lunatic," or um, giving yourself some sort of instructions, like, "Okay, before I can put the laundry in the laundry, I have to sort the—I have to sort it," <laughs> giving yourself some <laughs> sort of instruction like that, um, but doing it in an out loud way, so not just thinking it but saying it. And this is a little bit more intentional than your thoughts because your thoughts just happen automatically. Like you can't stop them. They just happen. But when you say something out loud, that's more intentional. You have to like actively do it. It might happen without you really thinking about it, but it's still less frequent than your thoughts. Yes. Because most of us don't go around just like talking nonstop. <laughs> All
0: right. Yeah, no. And that's exactly what it is. It's um when you say a thought out loud, it's almost as if somebody else is saying it to you. And so it it's less about being in your head and more about being this external instruction, this external thought and makes it more real, more tangible, more something that you can actually do. You know, if we think about our, um, we, when we were talking, I can't remember what episode it was, but we talked about our gremlins, or what was the name of yours, Maggie? Laurel, <laughs> Laurel, or Maggie, when you were talking about Laurel, um, we, when we say those thoughts in our head, they feel. Um, you know, like they feel real. But then when you say them out loud, it makes them it's like, oh, that was that's a silly thought to have. That's not something that's true. Um, so it brings it out of that mind space and into the physical realm. Yeah.
1: And for me, it's like it's it seems like when I say something out loud, it's because I'm trying to talk myself through something that is either really hard for me to do, really a challenging thing. Like for me, doing laundry is like the hardest thing (laughs) to do. Um, And so if I talk myself through it, then it's like, okay, that external thing that's giving me instructions... So it's either when something is really challenging or when something is really boring. And I think that's sometimes those are the same things for me that it's like (laughs) laundry is so freaking boring (laughs) that I just don't want to do it. (laughs) Um, So if I just talk through it and I was noticing last night, I also really don't like doing the dishes, but I had to do the dishes before I could cook dinner, which is something that's fun for me. So I made up a song about cleaning the dishes and that made it fun. But I was doing this like, you know, external speaking out loud thing to make it more fun and to give myself instructions about what I'm doing. Like now I'm scrubbing the pot because you got to scrub the pots. Like that's not how it went, but (laughs) (laughs) it was actually a pretty good song. Oh, that's great. So then the final thing that I mentioned before is writing things down. So what is that? What does that look like, Erica?
0: Um, This type of communication is even more intentional than speaking out loud or thinking because it is an added step to gather a paper and pencil to write it down. So writing involves making notes, shopping lists, schedules, or keeping a journal or diary.
1: So I do all of these things. Um, I've had to definitely organized because in the past I had like post-it notes all around like all of my computer monitors but they end up blending into the landscape it's like your stair spoon it's just like now I just have rainbow post-its on my computer and they don't help so you know I've had to come up with new t- um, strategies
0: yeah I um I love planners they're one of my like dopamine hits I have hundreds of them because I have yet to find the perfect one. Maggie's planners are pretty dang close. They're just not quite there for me yet. <laughs> but they're great. They're wonderful.
1: <laughs> what what would make it better just out of curiosity for you in particular?
0: Um I am I'm not sure. Let me think about that.
1: I mean there's no, it's like you said like there's no such thing as a perfect there's no such thing as the perf- for everybody.
0: It's like Maggie's planner is right up there at like 99% effective. Probably because we are sisters, sisters. Grew up yeah. in the same yeah. house and we're sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I don't utilize lists as much as I should. I know that to-do lists would help me a lot. I kind of jot down to-do lists in my planner. And then like I I also do the paper pencil thing, but I also do the digital thing. So, like, you can have, like, four different calendars, and it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> as long as, like, somehow they come together, or you
1: get, as long as you get the things done that need to be done, mm-hmm. finding a system that works for you. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about was the particularly the journaling aspect, or keeping a private j- diary, and what one thing that I really like to do is um, automatic writing, which is even more intentional, I think, than any of these other things because you are taking, you're setting aside like 15 minutes to just write. And that can be really revealing about your emotions and your, um, and really get, getting to know yourself. Because basically how you do it is you just start writing and you can't stop writing, um, whether you're typing or writing with a pencil. And then You keep going. Uh, Eventually, your conscious mind gets bored and your subconscious mind will start talking. And so it becomes really revealing at that point because you start um, opening up more about like what's going on on a deeper level. So I think that that's really helpful for me. I try to do that once a day if I remember, but sometimes I don't make time for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, keeping a journal has always been a struggle for me. I am definitely a person that wants to journal and I have started and failed many, many times, but I keep on trying. I keep <laughs> on doing it. Um, and I have just like a smattering of journals from when I was very small to now that have like four or five pages written in it and then get tossed into a memory box. And it's um, mm-hmm. I usually write when I'm upset um, and so a lot, it's it's hard to go back through those journals because it then triggers that emotion for me again. Um, but I think that that's the way that I process those emotions is by yes writing definitely. it all out of my brain.
1: And, and I think that that's a really good way to use writing um, intentionally to like, kind of like a therapy session. So the final type of Communication, or the final, I guess, recipient of communication that we wanted to talk about is the spirit realm. And so that is very broad. Some of the previous discussion kind of comes into play here because communicating with others could, if you personify um, an abstract concept into the form of like a goddess or a god, or if you talk to, if you're monotheistic and you talk to God, then that's similar to, you know, talking to another person or um, communicating with another person. But the thing that is different here is that when you communicate with spirit, the way that spirit communicates with you isn't always the same for every person. And so um, it gets a little wibbly wobbly to describe. (laughs) So we can only talk about our own experiences and a little bit about what we've heard from other people and how they experience the spirit realm in general so let's just take a step back to express who lives in the spirit realm because it encompasses so many different beliefs and it just depends on what you believe in as I said before but the way I see it the spirit realm is encompassing of the four elements that we've talked about before the planets that we talk about as well when we it comes to our Herb correspondences, the zodiac signs, archetypes, um, all sorts of archetypes, plant and animal spirits, as well as human spirits, spirit guides and ancestors and angels, deities, if you believe, if you work with gods and goddesses, and abstract concepts, so things like love and truth and beauty, all these ideas that it's hard to conceptualize into something concrete. Like I said before, if you're monotheistic, then A single God with a capital G or if you believe in the universe or you call it the universe or spirit or your favorite self which Erica and I have decided is our new favorite way to talk about what some people talk about as the higher self so a few ways that you can communicate with the spirit realm whichever type of spirit realm entity that you prefer to work with um, is through worship prayer offerings, and creating an altar or a shrine. So we'll talk a little bit about what each of these mean, and then we'll talk about how you might receive a response from that spirit realm entity. The way I see worship is doing some sort of ritual or spell work or something like that in a joyful way. So including like dancing is usually what I th- what I do to express joy is dancing or singing other examples are like shouting praises, um, playing a musical instrument, making art, or anything else that makes you feel joyful and connected with the spirit realm in some way. Is that kind of how you see worship, Erica?
0: Yeah. It's a way to celebrate and uh, worship.
1: Yeah. I think celebrate is a good word to use when it comes to worship. It's a celebration. Uh, so the next form is prayer. And that is like having a conversation, just like you would with another person. Some it's um, speaking, <laughs> speaking your troubles, speaking your joys, doing that in some way in order to feel comfort or uh, relief or yes. love or something in return.
0: And it again going back to the um, the communication, it can be spoken internally or it can be spoken externally. However, yes, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, if you're if you're having an internal conversation, an internal prayer, it's more reflective, more working through your thought, more meditative. Um, I feel like when you've moved to the place of needing to speak it out loud, to speak your prayer out loud, that's when it needs to become more tangible, more um, maybe more urgent, more um, of a like I really need to talk to you kind of feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's where I, th- I see it as like more like spell work where mm-hmm. you're incorporating like props basically and saying something over a candle or whatever versus like what you said before, the thought being more like the meditative phase where you're reflecting. So another way to communicate with the spirit realm is through offerings. So this is like giving a gift. You can offer up anything that you think your spirit realm entity of choice would offer enjoy. So it could be anything from like a pretty rock to a flower, a dish of honey. Um, If they enjoy alcohol, an alcoholic beverage, if they maybe even some sort of food form like a cookie or something sweet like that. Burning incense is another type of offering. You can offer the smoke to your spirit realm entity of choice or lighting a candle in their honor. Can you think of any offerings that you like to do in addition or...
0: My favorite offering is to give to the fairy folk on Lunasa, their honey cake. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to hide it for them so that they can find it. That's one of my favorite traditions. Yeah,
1: that's a good one. And I think a common question that comes up with offerings is like, what do you do with the offering like afterward? Right. <laughs> like the, the honey cake. Um, so the way I see it is that the essence of that offering is what's taken And then, um, so the deity or the spirit will take the essence of that honey cake or the essence of the rock that you've given. And then the physical object will still be there. And so you can do what you want with that afterward. So usually I leave something out for like 24 hours and then my husband and i joke like you can't leave it out longer
0: than that cuz that's how you get ants. <laughs> so <laughs> so i was actually just going to say so when i hide the honey cake for the um fairies i i just leave it there because i figure some creature will find it and use it for nourishment um and so i do i do bring on the ants. <laughs> But it's usually outside. outside.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) If it's outside, I'll leave it because that's fine. But if it's inside, we already have issues with ants because it's Florida. So we got to get rid of that stuff. (laughs) And then the third one is the altars or shrines, which we talked about altars in a previous episode. So we won't talk about it too much here. Um, I just want to reiterate the difference between an altar and a shrine or the way that I see it. So an altar is like, the place where you do a magical working, so it's where you might leave an offering or where you might um, recite a prayer or engage in meditation. Whereas a shrine is something that you kind of keep up as like a display. So you might keep up a shrine of a, a loved one who has passed away, like pictures of them or things like that, um, or things that they enjoyed. But you you might not change it all that much. You might not do. You might pray in front of it, but you probably wouldn't do very many magical workings there.
0: Right. Yeah, you could have a shrine to your deity on your altar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could be combined. Um, or you could have a like Maggie has her shrine to the, her wedding ceremony. Um, you know, you could have a shrine to um, anything really, whatever whatever you need to represent your spirit entity. So Maggie was alluding to that the entities of the spirit realm communicate differently than when we communicate with others or with ourself. And so one way that we can make that more clear is we're talking about asking for signs. So some sort of sign that could come from the spirit realm to help you make a decision, to help you clarify information, make sure that you're understanding the world correctly. That's kind of what we're talking about. And they aren't direct words, they aren't direct in any stretch of the imagination. They're very indirect and you have to think about it and you have to be looking for it because you never know how it's going to turn up.
1: Right. And and you can ask for a specific type of sign. So you can say specifically, like, if you're there, please give me a sign, or if I'm going in the right direction, if I'm making the right decision, please send me a sign. If I've got gotten your message correct, if I've interpreted the meaning of that sign correctly, send me another sign, or so- anything like that, and then you can sort of look for those signs that you've asked for, and this can be in the form of, like, a number, so you can ask Show me the number seven or show me the number nine or something like that and look for uh, phone numbers or license plates or street signs that might have that number in it.
0: The spirits, they're Trixie. They are they're tricky. So the number seven could come up in you have seven peas in your dinner or they could come up as you were watching a TV show and you got to watch seven episodes before you were interrupted. Like they're it's like they're really tricky. Yeah, <laughs> they're not direct. <laughs>
1: So, number is one example. It could also be like a specific image. So, show me a butterfly. And then again, it could be tricky. It could be a real butterfly flying across the window, or it could be a butterfly in a logo or a butterfly on your computer screen, just like some picture of it that someone else took. So, that's another example.
0: Or you could ask for dream visitations. My dreams are very lucid and they're very quirky. And I get premonitions all the time in my dreams. For example, last night I had a dream about my ex. And who should text me first thing this morning? My ex. So like your dreams could be very powerful if that's something that you have and are able to remember because some people they can't and that's not a reflection on you. It's just not how you get your signs.
1: So get creative. These are just a few examples of some ways that you can ask for a sign specifically. It could be asking for to hear a song. That's another way asking for seeing it in a book, seeing a sign in a book or A gift arriving or anything like that, and the the most important thing I think when you are asking for a sign as a form of confirmation or communication is to have it be something that would actually stand out to you. So I wouldn't ask for to see a black cat (laughs) if I were asking for a sign because I have two black cats, so I see them pretty much twenty four seven, and and so that would be kind of a weird confirmation because. That's not different from my everyday, but it would be pretty weird to see a polar bear here in Florida. So maybe that would be a more accurate sign,
0: right? And don't ask for a sign and a gift when your birthday's coming up or Christmas is just around the corner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <Gifties laughs> holidays. <laughs> um, You know these these are they are things that could happen, but are not common for you.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's important to not get carried away with looking for these signs. I think some people I see all the time in like Facebook groups and on the witchcraft Reddit that subreddit that it's like, what does this mean? Like Mm -hmm. my necklace ended up on the floor like it was on the shelf and then it was on the floor. And it's like it doesn't mean anything. It just fell. fell, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it fell off your shelf. Um, I mean, it could mean something, but I think some people do get carried away with it. And sometimes things don't mean anything. Yeah. And you don't want to kind of get wrapped up in that rabbit hole of everything is a sign or everything has has some sort of deeper meaning.
0: Yeah. Some things just are. Yes. Just as a final thought, I am reminded of the joke of the man who is in the flood and he asks for God to send him a sign that he'll be okay and a rowboat comes and he says no I'm waiting my God will take care of me and then helicopter comes and he's like no I'm okay my God will take care of me and then something else comes there's always three but I can't remember and then he ends up dying because the flood got too high and he drowned and he gets to heaven and God is like what the heck are you doing here I sent you a canoe and I sent you a helicopter and I sent you the third thing that I can't remember. Like, those were all signs, and though and they were a mundane things, and they weren't divine inspiration things, but they were still God's sign to this man that yeah. he should be saved.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So so like not going too deep into like everything has meaning, but also not like forgetting that mundane things can be signs themselves. <laughs> During Libra season, we have decided to share issues that are meaningful and impactful. And this week, we hope you will join us in advocating with United We Dream for a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients.
0: DACA recipients and allies should use the time to remind the Biden administration that DACA is not enough and we need to deliver citizenship for millions this year.
1: So in the show notes, you will find some instructions for if this is an important issue to you as well, you can contact the Biden administration to change or to make sure that the program, the DACA program result has a pathway to citizenship for the hundreds of thousands of DACA recipients. And there's a place to submit a public comment to let lawmakers know why you support a pathway to citizenship, um, and for for any aspiring American,
0: and then um, there will also be a link to the United We Dream website where you can donate if you choose to. Uh, we ca- we felt like this was a good one to go in our communication um, episode because uh, this pathway to citizenship allows millions of people the ability to have a voice in democracy to be able to participate to share and communicate and to be heard.
1: Interestingly as we are recording this podcast Mercury is retrograde at the same time Mercury or Hermes is a great spirit realm entity to communicate with on behalf of travelers and immigrants and people who are on the move And so leaving an offering for this deity can be beneficial to protect DACA recipients who are moving along the pathway towards citizenship, and in addition, any immigrants who are looking to become citizens as well.
0: We are celebrating goddesses this season of our podcast. For each goddess, we will give you a theme to think about that she represents for you to create any sort of ritual or spell or manifestation or just some way to bring her theme into your life. So I am using my Legendary ladies Goddess deck that was created by Anne Shen, and today we pulled Bast. We love Bast. (laughs) We love Bast. Bast is the, her theme for the week is pleasure. And so her little um, write-up says, you may be in need of some serious self-care and the goddess Bast is with you. As the ruler of sex, magic, and pleasure, she helps you see and reignite all those aspects in your life. Time to indulge. So Maggie, how will you invite blood? pleasure to show itself this week. This is
1: making me want to focus more on self-care this week uh, particularly like pampering style of self-care so I am just gonna do the things I want to (laughs) do whenever (laughs) follow my follow my whims. I have a I have a new nail set coming and so I'm gonna change my nails because I was out of I use those gel cured nails. and, uh, oh my gosh, last night, one of them, i I like got it caught on my drawer. The drawer doesn't open very easily. So I got it caught and it like snapped and cracked, and it was the mm. biggest pain, like like physical pain um that I'd felt in a long time, but I'm excited because I get will get to do a new set. I was kind of having to like stretch and cut a previous set in order to fit because like when you get down to the end, they don't fit quite mm. right. So, I uh, yeah, so I'm going to have a brand new set and uh, I'm excited about that.
0: Nice. I'm going to get a haircut this afternoon, which is before we release the podcast, but still that's something that I really enjoy and is one of my self-care things. Um and then this weekend we are going to go tailgate cuz it's homecoming weekend and um There it's a early kickoff. So we're going to start at like 1030. So we're going to do pancakes and mimosas at the tailgate instead of the traditional hot dogs and that's hamburgers and beers. So I think that'll be fun and pleasurable and a little silly. And we would
1: love to hear from you as well. You can go to witchwanderer.com to answer this question. How will you invite pleasure to show itself this week? And over the next week, we are also going to be looking for the King of Cups, which will be our tarot card for next week's episode. This card is about stability, wisdom, diplomacy, generosity, and support. So the King of Cups is very emotionally secure. He is aware of human nature in general. He's a very wise person. He's willing to accept his own limitations and keep his head when a crisis emerges. He is usually able to act with controlled emotion rather than like instinctive or reactive. The King of Cups will evaluate the situation before taking action and is able to create a balanced atmosphere. So we'll be seeing when we felt like we were a King of Cups or we know somebody who is a King of Cups. If you would like to talk about your experience with the King of Cups listener, then you can send us a voicemail at we listen at talkwitchcraft.com.
0: You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 040. Join us next week when we talk about the five ways to make the most of Scorpio season. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you are notified when
1: we release a new episode. And if you want to help other witches find this show as well, leave us a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: You can also find us on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk.
1: Goodbye. Goodbye.